go, League Podcast, coming to you on a Thursday, May 27th, here in Cincinnati. Anchor FM, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, however it is that you are listening. Of course, I appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in. It has been a few weeks since the last podcast, but we are back today. Not too far out from the startup draft in this league, and thankfully so, because there are still a few unanswered questions surrounding the NFL, and those questions have direct impact on the fantasy value of players. It's not all questions, though. We do have a few answers. One being that Tim Tebow has signed a contract with the Jaguars, and then after doing so, he has completely commanded the NFL store as all top five selling items are Tebow jerseys. So the Tebow fanatics are out in full force. The media circus has begun in Jacksonville, and while that might not hold much weight in the fantasy world, one thing that will hold weight is that we cannot put any trust in the Buccaneers' backfield. Bruce Arians, however, has full trust in the talents of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, but let's also throw in the pass-catching Giovanni Bernard back there as well, and that creates a three-headed monster at the running back position in Tampa Bay's backfield. Definitely not what you're looking for when you're trying to build a fantasy football dynasty. Bruce Arians has even brought up the fact that it's not going to be good for fantasy owners, but it's going to be good for the Buccaneers as they have a quest for their second Super Bowl in as many years. Aaron Rodgers has not reported to camp this season, which is to be expected. But what I did not expect is that the top five receiving options in Green Bay have yet to report. The most, this most specifically affects whoever's going to be throwing footballs in Green Bay next year which is looking less and less like it's going to be Aaron Rodgers. I think it is safe to say that Jordan Love, the first-round quarterback drafted last year, he's a bust. And I say that because the milk has been spoiled in Green Bay for a while now. Jordan Love was drafted to be the answer, and it has been this long, and we haven't even heard the slightest buzz about Love. That's That's reason number one as to why I believe he's a bust. Reason number two, Green Bay does not have a bad roster. They have weapons, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams. And while you can't replace an MVP like Aaron Rodgers, all you need is competency behind center. They have this young kid, but yet they're still clinging and holding out for some type of reconciliation with Rodgers. It's weird to me. Let me put it into perspective for you. You love the big truck that you drive. The girls love it. The boys, they love it. You love it. It's not an economical vehicle, you're broke, and this thing eats gas like Tom Brady wins rings. It wouldn't be that big of a deal to trade it in for a nice economical safety vehicle, perhaps a Nissan Sentra, what have you. The girls might not love it as much, but at least you have wheels and it's not a clunker. The boys are still happy, you're still going to get a ride to the corner store, late night Taco Bell runs. You can afford it, you can depend on it. It's not flashy, it's not the sexiest vehicle, but it's going to get you there without you having to worry. Jordan Love is not a Nissan Sentra. He is a Ford Pinto with the bumper falling off. The girls don't like it. They don't want to be seen in that. The boys don't trust it. And let's be honest, you're a little bit embarrassed to drive it. Packers whiffed on Love. And that's okay. It happens. Bill Belichick has whiffed on almost every offensive pick that he has made outside of Gronk and Edelman. And Edelman was a quarterback when he was drafted. He wasn't a wide receiver. And that's okay. But this is why the Packers are being stubborn about Rodgers. They don't have a backup plan. Now let's pivot to this. Julio Jones is out in Atlanta. 
He said on Undisputed on a phone call with Shannon Sharp that he is, quote, out of there. It is reported that the Falcons want a number one pick for the aging Atlanta receiver. Now let's be realistic. We're not giving up a top ten pick for an old Julio Jones. And Julio Jones doesn't want that either. He wants to win. You can't win going to a team with a top pick. So it has to be someone in the back 12 picks who can benefit from such a great weapon. And how can this whole situation be resolved? Uh, Let's pivot back to Green Bay. Rodgers is unhappy because he is an MVP. He is treated like Blake Bortles. Mahomes ran for his life in the Super Bowl, and Casey went out, and they brought him, or they bought him, a brand new O-line. Here you go, Pat, are you happy? Russell Wilson was tired of putting his head down, taking subpar offenses to the playoffs, and there was some tension with him and Pete Carroll. Now Pete and Russ, they sat in a room, they talked about it, and now Russ has new weapons, a solid tight end. Hey Russ, are you happy? Tom Brady was tired of bad offenses, and that marriage in New England was over for a long time. He went to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay went out. Hey, are you happy? You know what? Just in case Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Ronald Jones, in case they aren't enough, here's Leonard Fournette. Oh, you know what? You can have Antonio Brown. Oh, you know what? Actually, we're going to get Gronk, too. And they won a Super Bowl. And Tampa Bay is still, hey, Tom, we know you like running backs that can catch. So we got you another toy. Here's Gio Bernard. All of this, and Aaron Rodgers is an MVP. Why doesn't he get toys and special treatment like the others? Green Bay has spent a first rounder on an offensive guy one time in the past 10 years. And it was a quarterback who's a bust. Rodgers just wants to be treated like the others in the league. So do you think the Green Bay Packers could solve all of this all of this issue, all of this trouble by sending a late first round pick to the Falcons? Acquire Julio Jones. And now, you can't double up Devontae Adams. You can't double up Julio. If you do, there will be open safety valves in the middle of the field. Or someone is going to be open up over the top. And Aaron Rodgers is going to find him. He's got a bazooka for an arm. The Packers were a blown coaching decision from the Super Bowl. Without Julio Jones. How do you think... Aaron Rodgers would feel if they go and get Julio Jones and make the team better. You make your MVP quarterback happy. You make him feel like he's worth it. You go out, you get him the star. There's no better place for Julio Jones if he wants to win. And there's no better player for the Packers if they're trying to reconcile a relationship with Aaron Rodgers. I think Julio Jones is the answer. If I'm Green Bay, go get Julio Jones. Quarterbacks, wide receivers... They're all important, but the most important from a fantasy perspective are your running backs. Now, you want a bell bell cow type of running back that can run the ball and catch it. Everybody wants Christian McCaffrey. Why? Because if you put him in at running back, he's the best in the league. And if you line him up in the slot at wide receiver, he'd still burn you and you'd still have the best wide receiver in the league. He does it all. Well, schedules just got released in the last couple weeks. And I was glancing over at the schedules, and there's one thing that really sticks out. The Panthers easily have the best running back schedule in the entire NFL. The schedule is riddled with Swiss cheese run defenses. McCaffrey's already terrifying. And then you give him that schedule? 
If you have McCaffrey on your team, you are salivating looking at the Panthers' schedule. And if you have the number one pick in a startup draft, put the pen down. Stop taking notes. Don't overthink it. It's Christian McCaffrey. Don't get cute. There's a couple other schedules that I looked out for as well. And I'm going to give you guys my top three schedules for running backs, as well as my bottom three schedules for running backs. I'm going to start with the top. Carolina Panthers, just like I said. Number two, Miles Sanders fans rejoice. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. They have Dallas, Kansas City, Carolina, Las Vegas, Detroit, and Denver in their first 10 weeks. All of those defenses gave up over 121 yards on average to running backs. Number three, it's the Baltimore Ravens. J.K. Dobbins was underwhelming to say the least, but if you stuck with him, he might just pay off. With no Mark Ingram, he is the clear number one option, and they start their schedule with Vegas, Kansas City, Detroit, and Denver. Awful run defenses, which could give a young player extreme confidence. Is it too far gone to say that Dobbins could head into week five against Indianapolis, a very, very tough defense, with so much confidence after collecting 400-plus yards, maybe five touchdowns? Especially with how potent the Ravens' offense is, they might spend a couple of those fourth quarters bleeding the clock with the run game. CMC, Miles Sanders, J.K. Dobbin owners, they have a lot to look forward to this year while they're drooling over at the matchups. Now, there are some owners who are losing their fingernails to the nerves looking at their schedules for their running backs. Here are my top three toughest schedules for running backs. Number one, you got the Detroit Lions. DeAndre Swift owners were pleased with his showing last year, but he's got his work cut out for him this year. They draw multiple top 10 defenses against the run, Atlanta, Indy, New Orleans. And it's going to be interesting to see how Swift operates the first half of the schedule because the first half is not pretty. The back half, it's not so bad. But it's going to be a rough start for Swift, and we'll see if he keeps his confidence. Now going over to number two, it's the LA Rams. Navigating the Rams' backfield last year was hard enough with the whole who's who every week. Cam Akers distanced himself a bit at the end of the season, leading fantasy owners to be pretty excited about his potential. But another hurdle comes in the form of a really, I mean, it's a brutal schedule with great run defenses. At one point, they played Tampa Bay and Indy back-to-back, and then they go up against Seattle and the Giants after a break with the Cardinals, who aren't necessarily a slouch either. It is brutal. Tampa Bay and Indy, they are top two defenses against the run. Seattle's five. And the Giants, they're top ten. It is a very tough running back schedule. And honestly, I would put them at number one, but I just believe the Lions are going to be more dysfunctional and they're just going to have their hands full more than the L.A. Rams will. Coming in at number three, it's the Atlanta Falcons. Todd Gurley and Mike Davis sharing the backfield in Atlanta just got even more complicated. It's bad enough when you have to play in the same division as the Saints and the Buccaneers. So just there, they draw top two top three defenses against the run, and they have to play them twice each by default. Not to mention, they kick the season off against a really tough Seattle team, and it's just really hard to trust these running backs already as it is in these games. If I'm a Gurley owner or a Mike Davis owner, I'm shopping them. I'm going to start looking to see what I can get for them before anybody else gets hip to the schedule or before you find yourself in week six and you're just getting burned by these two guys and they've lost all their value. Right now, the value is still pretty high. Mike Davis had a great season last year. 
And Todd Gurley still has a little bit of the name fame where people want Todd Gurley based off his name. Shop him while you can. Being in a dynasty league, there's just so much more to think about. So much more than simply who is going to be that guy this year. You need to know who that guy is going to be next year too. So the biggest thing that you have to assess are the incoming rookies. Who's going to pop? Who's going to be a bust? Half of the NFL is undrafted. 250 plus people are drafted every year and they're busts because they fall into the wrong system. And some of them, they don't get another chance. It's unfortunate, but you know, it's just that that's the NFL. If Tom Brady was drafted by Detroit, we wouldn't even know his name today. In fact, he, wouldn't even, he would have been cut by the Lions, and the Lions would still have been praising Joey Harrington. So guys, here is my top 10 rookies for this year's draft class. Number 10, it's Terrace Marshall. He's over in Carolina, and while I don't believe that this team is a championship team, I believe that this team, they're going to be the most fun to watch in the NFL. Sam Darnold finally gets a coach, a competent backfield, and weapons to throw to. Terrace Marshall, I believe... A little bit to be a hidden gem. Not talked about too often, playing with a little bit of a chip. I like him. Number nine, Rondell Moore in Arizona. He was drafted as a vertical threat, and this rookie camp has proven that he's more than that. He has the feet and the route running and elusiveness to immediately contribute to Arizona's game plan. I wasn't really too sure about Rondell Moore, but this guy, all I've heard lately, just glowing reviews. Rondell Moore at nine. Number eight, it's Travis Etienne. I put Travis Etienne at eight because he's splitting times with James, splitting time with James Robinson, and there has been talk after the rookie camp about him lining up at wide receiver that he's going to be a dual back. But there's just a lot of questions surrounding Etienne, and he has the talent, he has the tangibles to be an elite NFL guy. And if the stars align, he very well could be an elite guy this year. But if James Robinson stays healthy and they continue to split work and he doesn't line up at wide receiver often, he's just going to be a week-to-week flex play depending on who has the hot hand between him and Robinson. Seven, it's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence is going to have an outstanding NFL career. I want to say that that's almost a guarantee. Will that career be fantasy-relevant? That remains to be seen. He's athletic, has a hell of an arm, weapons around him, and I think the Jaguars fall inside of that exciting club with the Panthers. They're not a team that's going to blow you up in any way, but the Jags and Trevor Lawrence are going to be must-watch TV every single week. Number six, Jalen Waddle. Two and Waddle hooked back up in the pros, one of the three big skill player trios to link up post-draft, and I think that Waddle, he's going to have a solid year of fantasy production. Is he going to be similarly looked at to his counterpart, Devontae Parker? Yeah, to me, absolutely. There's so much talent between the two. And I believe, I mean, Devontae Parker, he gives you bursts. He'll give you a big play, big game here and there. But you keep wondering, will he, when, when is he going to emerge as the big guy? I think Waddle's going to have a very similar career, especially with Tua throwing at him. I just, I don't trust Tua just yet. But it remains to be seen, but I definitely believe he's someone you're going to want to watch very closely if the hand starts to get hot. Number five, Rashad Bateman. I said it before, I believe that he is the best pound-for-pound route runner in this year's draft class. I think that he could immediately be the number one option for Lamar Jackson, 
But the rookie camp really hasn't shown very much for Rashad Bateman. He was sidelined early for what Harbaugh called a precautionary reason. The reports say the team is avoiding any soft tissue injuries after Bateman, I guess he'd been dealing with muscle soreness in his lower body. If you remember last year, hamstrings were a killer for wide receivers. I still think that he pops. I'm not too scared about it just yet. Rashad Bateman, number five. Number four, Devontae Smith. Another duo back together in Hurts and Smith. Eagles have been starving for talent in the wide receiver department. Jalen Hurts has welcomed any quarterback battle coming this preseason. He's going to be starving to show what he's got. And what better way than to have a comfortable weapon with previous chemistry? I said that Hurts will be a top 12 quarterback this year. And if Smith and Hurts get on the same page, it is going to be potential lightning in a bottle in Philadelphia. Number three, Najee Harris. The Steelers running game, it it hasn't really been great lately. But if you look at the history, it tells us that Mike Tomlin, the Steelers head coach, knows how to make his running back successful. He also, Najee Harris, is a fantastic pass catcher. Najee Harris is a great find in drafts everywhere. Massive potential for this guy. Love Najee Harris, number three. Number two, this one's a little bit of a tough one, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's Kyle Pitts out of Florida. He's my number two. If Julio Jones stays, you have the duo of Julio and Ridley. That's going to get a lot of attention, and that's great for safety valves. Kyle Pitts, he's a generational talent, very, very athletic, and he's going to be used early and often this year. Immediate difference maker, in my opinion, at a position that is already very thin. Last but not least, number one, it's Jamar Chase. The last of our Batman and Robins joining forces again. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase had a legendary season at LSU. A lot of people very upset that the Bengals didn't draft protection. But I called this pick on the pre-draft show. Zach Taylor is an offensive mind. The Bengals paid for offensive linemen this offseason, and they improved greatly. They aren't amazing by any means, but they should keep Joe Burrow upright. Burrow was playing very well for a rookie, much better than I actually thought he would. When the Bengals drafted Burrow, I said that he was going to be a serviceable guy that'll get hurt in the halfway through the season. He's just going to live in the dirt in Cincinnati. I was halfway right. While he did spend most of his time on the ground, I couldn't have been any more wrong about his play. He played like a guy that might actually figure this whole NFL quarterback thing out. Give him his old mate, Jamar Chase. You've got a potential fireworks show every single week in Cincinnati. The Bengals' defense is awful, so they're going to play a lot of games in garbage time. So Jamar Chase is going to be a prime benefactor of all of that. Quarterbacks typically win Rookie of the Year, but I think Jamar Chase is really going to make the voters think twice. Guys, that's going to do it for me this week. I'm going to keep it short and sweet for you today. I apologize, any of you who are waiting for an episode in the last couple weeks. Did some traveling. I didn't really have the time to allocate, but I assure you that as the season uh, grows near, the episodes will be longer and more frequent. Thank you again, honestly, to anyone that takes the time to listen. If you know me, then you know that I love to talk sports, so I appreciate you lending me your ear as an outlet for my passion. That's going to do it for me in the League Podcast here on a Thursday. We'll see you next week when I break down the top tiers of Dynasty players at every position. You don't want to miss it.